Well, hey there, everybody. Guess what? We are here for another Life Downloaded Live. And we are, for the very first time, live on Twitter, live on YouTube, live on Periscope and Facebook Live. You may have just seen a flash up on screen already because our phone's gone off with an email sound. I, as always, am joined by the fabulous, glorious Samantha Rank. Say hi, Sam. Well, hello, everybody. I am looking like Pippi Longstockings. Um, I'm quite scared that you just said that we are live, like, freaking everywhere. I'm not even wearing a bra. I'm sat in bed, right? You could have warned me. You could have warned me that we are literally live absolutely everywhere. Um, I am sat in bed because I am actually, I'm not in London anymore. <gasps> I skedaddled. I know, I know. It sounds really, really naughty at the moment because we all know that we are on lockdown. But I have a legitimate reason. Um, I, de I decided to make the quite tough decision um, to continue my isolation um, with my mother in the countryside um, for a oh, number of reasons. Rank. Ma with mum, with mama rank. Um, she's really making me fat though. She keeps feeding me. Um, so yeah, I decided just because I, my PA, you know, God bless her. She's got three kids. I kind of restricted her to like no time at all. I'm getting some stress fractures. So I just kind of thought, you know what, Sam? Why am I making my life even more miserable and hard work when I could be with mama rank in the countryside? Like literally, there is no one around us. Like, it's beautiful. So, yeah, that's where I am. However, downside, it's a beautiful house. It's not accessible at oh, all. No. Like, like, literally, like, I'm like, Mummy, can I go in the shower now? Which is um, a bit of a mind-blowing a mind experience. Um, and I'm sure a lot of us right now are really thinking, Jesus Christ, our homes are not accessible at all. Mm. And this needs to change you know uh anyway so i've kind of totally rambled as per usual if you watch if you watch us normally if you listen to us normally you know that this is normal behavior for me and i've not even had a drink i have had some hot cocoa though um Ooh, so hot my cocoa, very classy. i know she might have slipped something in there um welcome to our live stream podcast we absolutely bloody love it look how sexy dan looks like today. Oh, it's really the late night effort. version. I thought I better make an effort. That's not pajamas. Why do we not communicate with one another? You're supposed to be my husband. What is going on? Because you look glamorous, come what may, darling. So, you know. Oh, I know. But we are not alone, Danny boy. We Danny are not. Boy. We are not Danny alone boy. at all. Uh, we... Would you like to um, introduce our very wonderful. Uh, guest. Our very wonderful guest. Well, our very wonderful guest is a very learned lady and she is a genuine grade A true to life sexpert. So who knows where today's podcast is going to go, but she is the amazing Bethany Stevens and she joins us all the way from the US of A. So this is the first ever transatlantic life downloaded podcast and we're live all over the internet all at once we're making <laughs> history right now but ladies and gentlemen i give you bethany stevens say hi bethany Woo! hello hello i am exhausted and delirious just like most people in the world i think 
Um, also, I just took the comprehensive exams for my doctoral program where I read 80 books in under 90 days and then wrote. As you do. Yeah. As you do, just standard. As you do, and then wrote 24 pages in less than three days. So it was a, it's a scene. So my brain is a bit of a wreck and I am thrilled to just talk about sex with your sexy duo selves. And I've got to say, I am very, very queer and yet you're beautiful as a cis male. So congratulations. Thank you, Connie. Thank <laughs> you, Connie. There you go. There I'll you go. Well, I am slightly worried, Bethany, that I'm going to be upstaged by your lovely dog in the background there um, for the rest of the podcast. I mean, this is why they say never work with children or animals. They always end up upstaging you. So I can boot her out of here. But she does have nine nipples, so we should keep her. Wow. Okay, she's winning. Yeah, she's definitely got more nipples than I do. I absolutely love that. So as... um. You, you've already said you love sex, you love to talk about sex, you love helping others talk about sex, and you are on Life Downloaded to talk about sex today, um, which we're very excited about. You and I um, kind of met on social media. We both had the same condition, osteogenesis imperfecta, or Brutta Bone Condition, as it's more commonly known. So you are my OI sister from another mister, um, which is, you know, another reason to love you, uh, apart from the fact that you love sex. Um, but I think it's really, really important. I've had a very um, complex um, relationship with sex and, and even, even talking about sex. So I remember at the beginning of my career, um, uh, I, you know what it's like, people ask you to do stuff. I used to get asked to do interviews and 90% of the interviews I got asked to do were sex related. And being new to London, being quite naive, wanting to make it uh, in television, you know, in kind of the world of journalism broadcast, I, I sold my soul and I, you know, kind of told everyone who would listen about my sex, um, Capades, I suppose, and 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 then and then I got asked to do one interview, and I got sent through all the questions, and they were just—I mean, I'm not a prude, but they were just vulgar. And I sat there and I thought, would you ask a non-disabled person these questions? And I thought, no, you bloody wouldn't. You really wouldn't. And I kind of refused to do the 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 article. And ever since then, I've kind of shied away. From sex and disability because I think there is such a room, a room for kind of manipulation and grotesqueness and exploitation when it comes to disability and sex. Um, so I'm glad that I'm talking about it with you first of all because uh, I have absolute respect for you and the work that you do and I know that m the majority of the people listening to our podcast are from the disability community and I think that's that's who I am here to serve as a campaigner and they're pretty much the only people I really care about apart from <laughs> mum, mama rank you know um, she kind of gets special treatment I assume so exactly <laughs> so um I'm all for helping the community and being very open with them um, about about disability. But but 
you know, what Dan, Dan, would you agree with me that that there just seems to be this obsession with sex and disability? I mean, I've had it. I've had, you know, um, if you were to have sex, a penis would go in and come out through your mouth. Oh, classy. You know, there we go. People have literally said that to me. Classy nature know? of the British um, man right there. Honestly, um. but, but, but that, that actually terrified me. Like, in all seriousness, yeah. that actually terrified yeah. me, thinking, would that happen? No. Would that happen? You know, can I have sex? And I think it's this kind of, um, yeah, exploitation of sex and disability that can actually really hinder how we live our life and really knock our confidence. I mean, Dan, have you ever had any, you're, I mean, you are you are a very handsome man. You are a wheelchair user, but you also walk, don't you? I do, uh, I'm a part-time chair user. Yeah. Part-timer. Part-timer. Um, so what, tell me, Dan, about your kind of experiences. And then obviously we will get the, the sexpert. I can't say that properly. Sexpert. Sexual expert? Should we split it up into two? No, that's even longer. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I've sexpertise. So I'm also... Sexpertise. Why would you do this to me? I've got a lisp. I can't be doing these long words. <laughs> okay, fine. Go ahead, Dan. You beautiful... Thank you. Dan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, growing up as a teenage boy and... You know, I had all the same fears that normal teenage boys have, I assume. I say normal very loosely. Any teenage boy, whatever your sexual preference, you know, everybody has concerns about sex being a guy. And I what think, would that be? Like, would you, would your penis work? Yeah, I mean, I'm, would it? Well, yeah. well, I could safely say from very early on in my teen years, I knew it would work. <laughs> but um, it was more a case of, <laughs> you know, being a disabled man, uh, are women going to be interested in me sexually? Are they going to want to do all the different posi positions that I can't do? Am I going to miss out? You know, am I going to be able to move in the right way? Because cerebral palsy can limit muscle movement. You know, all those, all those things, especially having tight hips with cerebral palsy and all that kind of stuff, all those things as a teenage guy, I kind of went through. Um, Thankfully now I'm a 35 year old man and I think I'm doing all right. But <laughs> but at the time, yeah, definitely. And I think you're right in the fact that from the non-disabled community, there is definitely, definitely a fascination about having sex either with or as a disabled person. And I think, you know, some of it is, well, how do you do it if this doesn't work and that doesn't work? And it's curiosity some of it is morbid fascination and then of course you know there are people that see disability as a fetish which is a whole different conversation that we may or may oh, not yeah. touch we'll on get on to that baby exactly. i've got a lot to say on that exactly. don't you so, worry you know this is this is going to get in depth but yeah definitely um you know i've done things where i've worked with young people and they've they've asked me the question of does my penis work and guess what the answer is yes so then you have the whole conversation with young people of yes, disabled people can have sex. Yes, you know, it might be, you might do things in a slightly different way, but it all can and does still work. And we're generally pretty good at it, is my argument. Um, 
I mean, Bethany, how important do you think it is? I suppose what we're both de- we're, we're both describing is the medical model of disability. I mean, I've never been taught taught sex education. I've never been told by a, a doctor if I can have children or what the implications of you know having sex would be. I mean, it's never never been discussed with me. I mean, they've you know I've been cut open from ear to ear, had numerous operations, but no one's ever you know kind of been open with me. Uh, about sex and and you know when you get these very ableist very microaggressions from non-disabled people saying oh you know you won't be able to do it and you can't have kids or you can't you know how can you have sex or you know how how damaging do you think that is how can someone a disabled teen kind of negate these negative comments and um you know get the information that they actually needs because i googled for our social media today i googled i put in the images sex and disability because i wanted some cool images for our social media there was fuck all like there was nothing like there was nothing like i was like what what i was like have i misspelt what i wanted okay so there's a lot of questions there (laughs) yeah maybe divide them them. okay i hope you got some of them I did. I have a whole page of notes. <laughs> totally. So uh, the whole idea of reproduction uh, and doctors encouraging us or not talking to us about sexuality is huge. That is across the literature. Um, there is work against that. There's research around that. I've worked with Justine Wu, who's at the University of Michigan, and she's working under a large grant to really try to educate people. Because yes, it's damaging. This stuff is eugenics. This is telling us that we're not worthy and neither are our children, which like, let me decide whether I wanna be a parent. And like, just like every other human, Yes, absolutely. There are way too many people who feel liberated by the structure of ableism to ask us questions about sexuality. I, even though I love talking about sexuality, and this is after over 10 years of studying this academically, um, I, I love talking about it, but I do not love strangers and elevators asking if I can reproduce or if I can fuck. And I know very well that they're not giving me an invitation. They just wanna know. And yeah, I don't ask people, how big is your penis? Cause I don't care, one. And two, it's none of my business. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that that's incredibly overwhelming for, I mean, especially for the people who struggle to talk about sexuality, which is the majority of us. Um, And just another note that's just odd and very like me is I have a tattoo on my ribs because our protruding sternum has been something that's taken me a long time to get to love. And so I have these tattoos on my chest that signify survival. And so one of them is from my trip in Russia. I did not get a tattoo there, but signifies. And it's of a clitoris. And I had an anesthesiologist who was from Russia, 
who didn't know what it was. And he's a heterosexual. So wow. uh, basically, doctors are just indicative of larger culture. Nobody really knows enough about sex. And so while people don't want people to talk about sex, good grief. You need to know where the clitoris is. Save yes, everybody's lives and give us orgasms. Are you, are you listening, Dan? I am. I, I, would, I would like to think that I, I, I figured out <laughs> where it is. Just about, maybe. About. Only, only my girlfriend can confirm or deny, but I, I think, you know, she is of the belief that I, I know where it is. She could be lying to me all this time, but who knows? Good, but she's not here to comment, so let's leave it there. She might be. <laughs> she might be watching. Who knows? Uh. Uh, uh, so I found it really difficult. Um, I found it difficult because I had quite a codependent relationship with my mother. Um, not all of it derived from having a disability. Obviously, a lot of it came from that. Um, Obviously, my mum isn't here to, to also kind of talk, so I don't want to delve into my family kind of dramas or anything like that. But, you know, I think in my mind, I had this whole thought that if I were to get a boyfriend, then what would my mum do as my main caregiver when I was younger? And I think a lot of other, you know, people with disabilities really struggle with that. And what I found particularly when I've worked with younger teen, teens, disabled teens, um, you know, I, I'm, I, and this is not to diminish or to kind of, you know, berate parents or carers, um, but, you know, they, they kind of can be really kind of overbearing. And I just think, gosh, you know, how can anyone maybe practice masturbation, explore their body, be comfortable, you know, have someone go on a date even when you have parents that, you know, don't even see the child as a normal child, let alone a sexually active child. You know, what advice, I know that you do a lot of workshops, what advice would you give, mm. A, to maybe caregivers? Yeah. Um, and also to, to teens who have just maybe not got a strong enough voice, you know, particularly when they are, um, you know, living at home still or living with carers that, you know, are kind of loving them too much. I know that sounds awful, but, you know, are just being a little bit too, too overbearing. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So I can just tell you from my own perspective that as a, a young woman growing up with a disability, my mother was incredibly overprotective. And in retrospect, I really understand she was trying to protect me from getting physically broken because of our brittle bones. Um, but when I got to the hormonal stage, <laughs> uh, around 11, when I discovered masturbation and that attraction, and I wanted to be included in all of that, I wasn't uh, seen as desirable, but then also my mother would not let me go wander off into these fun, trouble, um, social places. So yeah, I mean, overprotection is so huge. Um, in my professional work, I have worked with 
parents specifically of those with intellectual disabilities. So there are multiple layers of fear and um, just a lot of pain around that. Um, and really, I think what happens with these parents is that they're so focused on the best interest of the child that they don't get to the fact that the child grew up and is no longer a child. And like the best interest has to shift from their lens to the human who is their own person, even if legally they're not seen as one because of an intellectual disability. Um, you know, I personally, I credit ableism uh, for getting me into this career and focusing on sexuality because that pain was so deep. It continues to humble me as well because good grief, my astrological sign and just in general, my genetic code is totally predisposed to egotism. So ableism is a nice slap in the face to keep me humble, sort of. Um, but really, sexual exclusion as a teenager and overprotection as a teenager were the most salient factors in me realizing disability was bad. But it took me another, I don't know, 10 years before I had language to understand that was ableism and not my fault. And like, yeah. oh, I, I, I was mind blown. Yeah, it, I'm just excited for young people that they can watch this stuff now and they don't have to go through this, these stupid long spans of growth. <laughs> Not that they're stupid, they were definitely profound, but like, geez, I would have liked to have sped that up. <laughs> um, but also to give advice to care caregivers and the, really to people negotiating with caregivers, practicing communication is key. And so it is hard to speak your needs in general um, around our genitals, we are trained socially to be silent around sexuality and to feel shame. And so even naming our genitals is often hard. So example, I have a friend who has a PA and um, will not ask the person to shave their pubic hair. And this person wipes their bum. I don't quite understand what the difference is. And really all it comes down to is asking that question and figuring out if that caregiver is up for consenting to it. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand the disconnect. I mean, my mother has put me on bedpans um, as, a, as a teenager with plenty of pubic hair. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you know, you do what you've got to do and this is part of the process. And, yeah, I think I think it's a case, isn't it, that, you know, as well as non-disabled people understanding that sex as a disabled person isn't this unicorn that they must discover. Um, I think it's also a case of disabled people being confident enough to talk about it and how you get to that confidence is going to be different for everybody. And, you know, maybe we will give 
some people confidence by watching or listening to this podcast whichever platform they're they're watching us or listening to us on you know hopefully this might encourage them to have a conversation but i definitely think you know confidence for anybody whether you're disabled or not is is a big thing when it comes to sex but especially for disabled people and the possible need or want to have to share things like shaving your pubic hair with somebody else there is definitely a level of trust and confidence there i think and it's and it's how to to build that as a disabled person i mean i I think it's true even just talking about pubic hair i i i have this like app on my phone where i get like my nails done and like beauticians come over so they'll come over and i'm always like a bit dubious how they're gonna react when i open the door and i'm in a wheelchair and anyway weirdly because some of them have been like oh my god like you know a person in a wheelchair wants their eyelashes done oh my god um but i I often get i honestly i swear but i I normally (laughs) but i normally get my bikini wax done and Mm -hmm. even that it took me a long time to book a bikini wax not because of the pain because let's face it brittle bones whatever um but more because again um, how I have to lie and how I maybe physically look is not the norm, you know, and even that made me feel paranoid. Like, was this person a little bit like that weird curiosity about disability? Yeah. You know, in my, in my head, I'm just thinking, oh my God, are they going to go back and tell everyone, oh, I waxed this midget? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, this was like, it really took a lot of strength for me to even go for a, for a wax. I mean, luckily my mum's a nurse, so, you know, like she, she kind of, you know, there was no, there was no shyness with that, you know what I mean? I mean, I think I was sick once and my mum held it in her hands. I mean, that's, that's, that's that's commitment right there. That's commitment. commitment. So, um, I really feel sorry for my Marenka, I bet she's like sat next to the door, like listening. With a glass, with a glass. With a glass to the door. (laughs) Um, but But that is. I mean, it is really interesting. I know it can be difficult, but I think, I think you know, because you don't want to disappoint them. I know when I said I was moving to London, I told my mum to sit down and I said, I've got some really important news. And she grabbed her chest and she went, oh my God, please don't tell me you're pregnant. <laughs> and I know that, I know that, you know, and I was like, what, 27? So it wasn't like I was a teenager. No. I, that was really upsetting because I know my mum would fear it's not that she doesn't want me to have kids, but she's fearful of it. Mm. And even that's quite sad, you know? So I think we really need to encourage mm. parents to, to again, you know, re- like you said, Bethany, recognise that it's, we are our own person. Yeah. And we aren't this child. We aren't your, just your baby. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, for me as well, you know, it's a case of, I mean, we talk about it all the time on podcasts because it's the industry we're in. But you look at sex and disabled people in the media. Oh, my God. Like, and that also reinforces people's people's attitudes to disabled people and sex. So one prime example that I always love to bring up when we're talking about sex and disabled people is the Stephen Hawking biopic movie that starred Eddie Redmayne, The Theory of Everything. Now, if that was true to life, mm. I would have kids everywhere on this planet. Because if you watch, if you watch that film, every time Stephen Hawking kisses a woman, bam, they're <laughs> pregnant. 
There is no sex. There's just this weird montage thing. So I'd have to have like a film crew follow me around to produce the montage. But every time I kissed a woman, they'd be pregnant. It doesn't work like that. So, you know, it's a case of, you know, disabled, and I'm not necessarily talking from a pornographic sense. Porn is a whole different debate again, but just general perception of disabled people having sex in the media is very strange in itself because it's it amplifies ableism as oh, a whole definitely. definitely and that's definitely impacted me when i've had sit like one night stands i've always been under the influence i mean i suppose non-disabled people are in the same boat but you know mm -hmm. let's face it there are different things i need to take in consideration we are we do have brittle bones you know i can't be flung around the room you know um and and i know you can um, there are bungees and there are sex swings. There are, oh, totally. there are ways to make it accessible. Uh, totally. But I think with a one night stand and then being like, right, now you've got to do this. Now you've got to do that. Now you've got to do that. I know. I know. I know. Hey, okay. I mean, okay. I know. you are a goddess and they need to step up if they're going to step up and step in. I mean, honestly. Do you think I underestimate people? In that respect. Oh, absolutely not. I think ableism is incredibly pervasive and these media tropes you're talking about, we are totally screwed in the sense that we are not uh, thought of to screw. <laughs> um, nicely put, nicely put. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> screwed by the media when it comes to being screwed. Yeah. <laughs> I encourage you to quote me. Somebody should. <laughs> uh, we'll, uh, we'll happily quote you, don't worry. <laughs> As will all the people watching this podcast, I'm sure, yeah. or listening to it. Like, so we do have one movie that's on Netflix right now, Crip Camp, that yes. includes Phenomenal. some sexuality. There's a whole breakout of crabs. There's, I mean, that's what real life is. It's not these insipid stories where then all of these non-disabled actors go on to win Oscars, which is just like the most frustrating thing. Um, I, I am so over all of those. Um, there's a wonderful uh -huh. film that just came out of the University of Illinois at Chicago by their group of disability studies people called The Code of Freaks and it just goes through mainstream media representation and just shows all of the absolute BS we have to deal with. Um, the standout hit, of course, is Monkey Shines, where a person has a service monkey, that monkey goes bizarre, and there is a sex scene. Also, it's in the 80s, so it's awful. With a monkey? <laughs> it, yes. You're, let your brain explode. <laughs> yeah, Thank me later. Uh, <laughs> and I, I just, one of the things I wanted to add that you, you keep raising is just this idea that we're fetishized. And mm. yeah, like um, I've had more than one man approach me to tell me that they have never um, had sex with a little person before. And oh, yeah. I <laughs> just like, uh, and that's not the way to make my panties drop. Hello, no, what, no. what planet are you on? I get, I get this a lot. I've had a few people that are clearly pedophiles 
that have, uh, I've actually ended up having relationships with them and then finding out, which is kind of even worse. Um, I've had one, I've had one guy ask to put me in a nappy. Um, and at first I was like, okay, is this like, just like you would ask any girl this, or is this because I'm three foot nothing? And it came out that it was because I'm three foot nothing. And I think, I'm not saying I would have done it if it was like just his thing and he does it with everyone. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, it's not my thing anyway, but that's what really, that's what really got me because everyone had, look, I, I find it difficult. Everyone has a type. I might say, and this is not, this is, this is just an example. This is not like what I'm saying. I might not like people with curly red hair, right? That might not be my thing. I, I do like people, I, lo I love all people, but I'm just saying as an example. So everyone's got a type and some people might look at me and think, or look at you because we are petite and think a really fancy petite woman. Where does, where does just admiring and, you know, kind of feeling, you know, attracted to, to a certain type go from that to creepy, pedo, fetish, you know, degrading and is it actually degrading to be a fetish or to be fetish I can't say it fetishized say it again Fet fetish fetishized yeah that's the one you know what I mean that's what I struggle with should I be okay with it because if I'm not okay with it am I not just am I saying that disabled a horrible thing then well okay so I want to give you um so along with my sexual education, I've gone to a lot of these sex conferences. Many of them include sex parties where people have sex in groups. And it's basically the people of color and the disabled people either select whether they want to be in the middle of it and fetishized and over paid attention to or on the periphery. And I often find myself on the periphery. And frankly, I usually think they're regular parties. So I get dressed up and then I'm just like, oh, gee, once again, I've done my hair and I never do my hair. Like, geez, this is frustrating. Uh, so like, I, you know, I think the line is blurry, right? Because people are supposedly like, we have our taste and our preferences. But as I tell my students, you know, I need you to think about who are you preferring? Who are you attracted to? What are their races? What are their, their ages? Um, what are their class backgrounds? What are their ability levels and why? And you, you just need to unpack those things for yourself because of course all of this crap is like loaded with all of these systems like racism and ableism and you know, the data of some of these apps are already showing how incredibly racist we all are in terms of dating and like undervaluing black men and Asian men. And I, I value black men. Just put that in there right now. I do, too. Honestly, I haven't had sex with a cisgender man since 2007. But if Tupac particularly came back to life, I, I would also take the rule that I have of no more sex with Gemini's off the table and just devour him. So, Dupac. I okay, good to know. Dupac, 
I'm sure Tupac is listening. Yeah. He's a regular, He's a regular uh, viewer. Viewer of uh, Life Downloaders. <laughs> there you go, that Tupac. Offer is there. <laughs> Challenge. Challenge is there. We're all over I, the web right now, so he probably is watching somewhere. But I think I think you're I think you're right, and I think I struggle because I'm quite a confident, you know successful career driven woman and I think why I've been so unsuccessful up until this point is a lot of the guys that I've had relationships with I think they underestimate me again because of what they think they know about disability yeah and because I'm a bit like yeah you want to go off and do your thing because I'm going to go over here and do my thing you know and I think uh, I've had you know a guy say oh you think you're you think you're better than me you know because I was coming home going oh just on television I've just, you know, done something that I, I'm, I'm really proud of. So I think, um, you know, a lot of men want to care for disabled women. And I genuinely think it's harder for disabled women to have relationships than it is for disabled men. I know that is a sweeping generalization. Oh, damn. Ooh. But honestly, Ooh. the hot button issue, and it's mm. just... It's kind of like the language issue of people first or disability first, where it's that terrible movie, which actually was an amazing movie, but it is like Groundhog Day and it'll never, yeah. ever, ever stop. So like, yeah. can we agree that we're both fucked? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, or not as the case may be. Or not as the case may be. Um, but yeah, no, like, in, on some avenues, I agree with you, Sam, but in others, I don't. Because, you know, there is still plenty of women or, or gay men or whatever your preference may be that want their partner to be the traditional provider role that's in a good job, that, you know, all of those things that a stereotypical man should be. And a lot of disabled men, through circumstance, do not fit that stereotype. Yeah. So in turn, find it just as difficult to find a partner. T totally, totally. But I do think we've got the added pressure of um, the, the child factor. And if we're not seen as being able to bear children, that's why I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. You know, I think every case is different, but I do feel added pressure that men look at me and go, she can't have sex, she can't have kids. But then I'm, I may be an odd one out, but... I'm a disabled man that doesn't want kids. And that is a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah. 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 I'm a disabled man, not because of, you know, it being disability related or anything like that. I just don't want kids. But the fact that I don't want kids blows so many people's minds and they're just like, can't do it. So it's a catch 22. I'm a disabled man and I don't want kids. So do I tick two boxes? Am I worse off than you? I don't think so. But I mean, I can't I, I think really we both get shoved out of gender categories where we're both mm. not perceived as good enough men, good enough women. And that's just assuming we're living in a binary. So we're back in the 90s if we're still sitting around thinking that right but like i mean yes reproduction matters but you know what's also liberating um my family on my mother's side they don't expect me to have children and i'm like cool 
cool. Yeah. None of you really yeah. respect my degrees and you think that I'm absolutely out of my gourd for going to law school and then going back to sex school. Like, who does that? Just get a job. You I love the fact girl. that you genuinely went to sex school. <laughs> Sorry, but I enjoy that fact. And I did it, and I did it in San Francisco before the tech bros ruined it. So there were still people running around naked, and it was amazing. But like, <laughs> there is liberation in being shoved out of these categories of normal because it just gives us more room once we can take that on. And I think that takes a lot of work. Um, but I, I, I really like gender expectations hurt everybody in general. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's, I, I, I just wrote, you know, for the comps about gender and also sex and gender is the thing that I don't like, I finally understand. And now I'm just like, gender is a trap unless it's drag. Honestly, I don't want to do it. Like, and I feel like me as a femme with my lipstick, that's drag. I don't know who I am really. I just like to play and that's okay. Um, but I totally feel Dan and I hear this from a lot of men that they think that it's much worse. And I really think a lot of that has to do with um, the power that we frankly give the penis socially and how that that determines what a man is and so if you have a spinal cord injury or anything that changes that functionality you're no longer a man and you know i've lost somebody to suicide because he couldn't handle living that way and i also know as a scholar if that happened with this one person that's happening all over the world because this sexual stigma is not just, you know, in the US and in the UK. It's not just in Western Europe. It's spread around the world and it manifests differently, but sexual stigma is deep. Um, and there's James Charlton wrote a comparative analysis across the globe. And that's one of the things he found is that sex is just a huge, huge barrier because of reproduction, but also just because of sense, like proposed desire and how we can't ever be inside of that definition, which is absolutely ludicrous. Um, and just as a, as a side note, I just started using Instagram because I'm 100 years old. I'll be turning 40 in October. And, um, <laughs> I am kind of exhausted by how many heterosexual white men who surprisingly look like my father from my adolescence are sliding into my DMs and want to talk to me and they're all military men. So I don't know what that means. Like they're really into strength. So they think I'm passive. Like, also, it's all over my page that I'm gay, 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 gay. I mean, I made a rainbow. I, I get quite a few of them, and I think they're actually like catfish. Good. A lot of them. Okay. So don't worry too much. Okay, good. Don't worry too yeah, much. I can safely I I, say I think, yeah. that I don't have a lot of military men in my DMs. That's probably a good thing. Oh, <laughs> that upsets me. Does it? <laughs> 
I, I know that a few of your friends have commented that I am quite a good-looking man. Oh, which is a, all which my is gay men, all my gay men, male friends are obsessed with Cap, <laughs> and I, it, it, it pains me to let them down gently to say that he is—he's a straight boy. He's one of mine. Um, I think you're completely right. Um, I, I think, I think at the end of the day, even though we we all share some common ground everyone's experience is, is is their own experience and you know I think what dad experience is going to be very different to someone else who is also a wheelchair user and is also equally as handsome you know uh, and my experience is very different from yours I, I am very mindful that you show me something around your neck and I just lift the mood a little bit because that was quite heavy um what have you got around your neck um I already know the answer but I want you to say and want you to show <laughs> So this happens to be the Crave vibrator and my beautiful wife who was, it was just her birthday yesterday. So we're now the same age. Happy birthday for yesterday. Indeed. Happy birthday. Thanks guys. I'll let her know. Um, so we're celebrating 11 years together and I, I was a huge commitment phobe before this. I was terrible. So now I'm, I'm a good girl. Anyway, but anyway, she, uh, she had this engraved with all the ways because she loves me in all the ways. So um, it's really cute. Also going through TSA um, because I have to get pat down as a disabled person. I try to wear as tight of clothes as possible, and I always wear something <laughs> sex toy related or a penis or a vulva, and I make them talk about it, and it usually speeds up the process. Amazing. <laughs> and I saw that you were going to get some um, face masks with cots on. I am. Yes. Um, elaborate for us, please. Well, uh, uh, as soon as I've, as soon as my mother, who is a nurse, will tell me or my doctor that it's safe for me to go more outside with a mask, I will wear these masks that are coming to me. One is with a bunch of little penises um, of various colors. So that requires you to get too close. And so then you can rightfully scream expletives at people and tell them to move, move away. <laughs> I want one. I, will you buy one for me as well? I totally want okay, one. Okay, so it's a it's a disability collective. So I can absolutely connect to you. Um, she, Fabulous. She just Dad, have we got any uh, questions? Have we got any questions? Nobody's dropped any questions yet, but That's they have. Nice. They have all been saying hi, and they're enjoying the they're enjoying the podcast, and they're enjoying Periscope and the Twitter and the YouTube. So nobody's got any questions yet. But if you have got any questions that you want to ask us or Bethany that are sex related, I I will filter them if I think you're being somewhat ridiculous. I know I am not going to tell you how big my penis is. Um, but yeah, Aww, if, if you've got questions, hey? I'm gonna go now. <laughs> you're gonna go now. I've disappointed you now. Um, if you have got questions, fire them in the chat. No matter what you're watching us on, drop us a Facebook comment, drop us a YouTube chat, or drop us a Periscope question. If you've got questions to ask, um, if not, 
enjoy but like you know there, there's no there's no need to ask a question but if you've got them throw them in now and over the next few minutes i will ask bethany what is new with you what have you got coming up apart from you know being trapped in your home um but aside all that because we don't like to talk about the c word at the moment um what is what's going on in your life what what's been exciting what have you got to share for her or in the sex world um so well um the c word is pretty hard right now so it's kind of messing with my brain but I am working on my dissertation proposal so I can move ever quickly to being Dr. Bethany and finally break up with the university because, again, I am almost 40. It is time to be a grown-up, uh, although I will always be Peter Pan. I don't care. Um, and, and also Tinkerbell, obviously. So just some kind of mixture there. Um, magical and fabulous. Tinkerpan, uh, Tinkerpan. Tinkerpan. Okay. Whatever. I don't care. I like the sparkles. Um, but I'm also working on a big sexuality and disability piece that I'm hoping to get out soon. So that is something that is not academic so it feels liberating to get back to that voice because uh graduate school makes you start talking like you're on another planet and only one percent of the population has phds so that means you're only talking to a very small percentage of the planet and i actually want my work around sexuality to reach people and i think one of the best things that people don't realize in general is they could learn so much from disability about their own sex lives and start liberating themselves from ideas of genital focused orgasms just being goal focused trying to spread your pleasure out really just exploring more i i teach my students enjoy the buffet of pleasure and they look at me like i've got five heads but many emails do I get afterwards where they tell me, oh my God, you were right. I love it. <laughs> and I'm so, I'm so excited. And I also teach them about how condoms and dental dams and lubricant can add to your pleasure. And I just, that's the kind of stuff that just makes me so pleased. I just want everybody to have happy, safer sex so that they can just love themselves. And, you know, right now, because of that C word and we're dealing with some rough times around disability, it is all the more reason to love the heck out of ourselves. Like scream, the love. scream the love into the universe because it certainly is screaming at us. So, um, yeah, I, yeah. Basically but, have safe consensual fun. We have had a question and it's for oh, you, it, yeah. we, it's for you, Bethany. Um, not sex related, but we'll ask it anyway. Jade is asking, 
you mentioned a disability collective. It sounds interesting. Can you tell us more about it? Hello. Oh, Bethany. I have no Lisa. idea what. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I don't know what I. I don't know what I mentioned with regard to the disability. I think it, oh. I think it was your masks. My mask. You mentioned the disability. Oh, 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 oh. Um. So it's Sandy Yee. Um. S A N. D I E Y uh, Y I and Allison with one L um, K O L P I T um, Colpit, who are doing it in the University of Illinois at Chicago, and that is one of our premier uh, disability studies programs in the nation, and. There's really rad stuff happening there. They have a bodies of work series that um, really just talks about all this fun stuff. They've hosted me before um, and they just hosted their code of freaks that I mentioned to you. So um, they do a lot of great. And then Sandy Yee also creates lingerie out of pubic hair and most interesting things for her dissertation. So yes, um, again, blah, blow your mind. The world is amazing. Lingerie out of pubic hair. That was a phrase I didn't expect to hear today. I'm not going to lie. No. But, no. <laughs> but you got a lot. You would be probably not surprised. Do you know what, Bethany? I definitely think this is not going to be the last time we're going to have you on Loaded, no. for sure. Um, but we've been chatting for, for coming up an hour, give or take. So considering okay. you were telling us earlier that you've had about four hours sleep, we should probably let you go and try and get <laughs> some more um, before yeah. you become completely delirious. But it has been... Can we <laughs> You're already there. Can we can we smile yet? Oh, we'll smile. Why not? Are you oh. putting me on social media? <laughs> yes. This was super fun. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so Bethany, we need you to have you back on for maybe an even later XXX rated. Maybe when I'm not actually at my family home, so that I can really get X rated with you all. Because mm. um, I'm not too sure who's listening right now. Indeed. Um, uh, I know I'm 34 and I still respect my mum enough not to, you know, tell her tell her about all my vaginal um, activities. Um because I don't want her to tell me about hers. That's, that's the only reason why. Um, but yes, Bethany, we adore you. I adore you. Thank you for Same. being an amazing OI sister. Thank you for being yes. lovely. And, um, Thank you also to everybody that's watched us for the first time on Periscope, on Facebook, live on Twitter, if you're watching us live on Twitter. Um, feel free to watch the replay on YouTube. It will be on all our usual podcast-based channels as soon as I get enough time to sit down and edit the sound file all together, probably sometime tomorrow. Um, this has been quite cool. 
And Bethany's been amazing. Don't forget to follow her on Instagram and Twitter. Her handle is currently scrolling across the screen. It's at Disabethany on Instagram and Twitter because, you know, her following needs to grow because she's a woman in the know. I'm, I'm good at a plug. I'm good at a plug. I am, I am your prophet of pleasure. Come to me. Indeed. <laughs> Bethany, the prophet of pleasure for life downloaded. There we go. All right. We have to end on that laugh. We I love it. Big heart. Good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And remember what Bethany said go and pleasure yourself safely. Enjoy yourselves. Thank you, guys. I've been Dan Edge with Sam Rank and the amazing Bethany Stevens. This has been Life Downloaded. Look after yourselves and we'll see you next episode. Bye.